0: wonderful
1: show is Keeping Up With The Joneses Mrs. AJ
0: Jones Mr. Jones
1: Episode 283 of Keeping Up With The Joneses How are you? Whoop, whoop.
0: I'm good, how are you?
1: I'm so good, but a little tired but very good It's true Give the people a weekly update
0: Um, I spoke at church this Sunday On the Father Hurt
1: You did? Yes. How was that? I have not heard you speech speech that message I have not heard <laughs> you share that message in Ages Eight years What? Six years that can't be true. When have I ever been in for you? Well, I NFL, suppose you're or? not usually there, are you? Yeah. Um, I cried.
0: Did you? Yeah. I Aww, cry every time we share it. you so cute. Yeah. Uh, second service went better than first. So That's that was usually good. usually the yeah. case, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just kind of ran out of time First service. I didn't pace myself oh. very well. So yeah, it was that, my fault.
1: That can happen yeah, both yeah. services. So yeah.
0: second service, definitely better. And, and then we had Memorial Day.
1: Oh, I love Memorial Day. Yep. We had Burgers, some friends over. hot dogs. Burgers, hot dogs, apple pie.
0: Apple pie, ice cream. watermelon.
1: I'm wearing my watermelon shirt. All the kids at church love my watermelon shirt.
0: Yes, they do, strangely. You have two yeah. watermelon shirts, actually.
1: Love watermelons, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? Uh, car news.
0: Car news, We yes.
1: returned the Tesla. Yes. With a moment of deep sadness in my heart. Yes. I love that car.
0: It, I know you do, darling.
1: And instead, we got a Porsche. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Currently, we are driving a Porsche Boxster. Yes. A, a vintage or antique Porsche. It's th- going to I've... be 25 years next yeah, year.
0: I think it's probably vintage. Uh,
1: you look so good in that car. It's I ridiculous.
0: I love driving that
1: car. Every time I see you, I'm like, woo. Didn't, <laughs> didn't you get hit on by one of the neighborhoods? Like a 17
0: year old boy. I like drove by to went hey hot mama as it went by. I was like, what do you guys like what do men think is gonna happen when they do stuff like that? Like you're gonna stop and go, sorry, what now? <laughs> Did you wanna have a conversation? But anyway, I laughed. You look like,
1: very cute driving yeah. that thing.
0: Yeah. It has both a frunk and a trunk. Well, I was kind of
1: impressed. Why are you sniffling? I don't know. Allergies? Maybe. You're not getting are you getting sick?
0: I don't feel like I'm getting sick, so it must be allergies. Like I don't feel anything else, just the stuffy nose.
1: Yeah, I thought Tesla, you know, created the frunk, but no, the Porsche has a frunk and a trunk. Frunk and a trunk. Yeah,
0: I just like saying that. Yeah, you do. Frunk and a trunk.
1: Be careful how quickly you say that. (laughs) Uh, What else happened this week? Oh, we had, we had, we had dinner. We have a very special friend that we haven't had on the podcast because she has to remain anonymous. Yes, and she's also on sabbatical. Yes. But she's one of a handful of people we know. This is a weird sentence. She is one of a handful of people we know who has died.
0: And come back from the dead. The dead. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And she exudes Jesus. And every time she's really in town, does. our family loves to be with her. In fact, we went out for dinner and our kids were fighting over who could sit next to her.
0: Yes, they had to, we had to have a, like a, a rotation schedule.
1: And then sweet MJ, our son who's nine, he really wanted to ask her about her resurrection. So he, great questions. But possibly my favorite question?
0: Well, do this setup, because she, when she was raised from the dead, she actually saw Jesus and mm-hmm. talked to Jesus.
1: So MG wanted to know what did Jesus look what like? What did he
0: look like? So she he's asking questions.
1: But his most pressing question is, does <laughs> Jesus have a handlebar mustache? <laughs> And because our friend's first language is not English, she kind of looked at us quizzically and I had to explain (laughs) handlebar. She was like, no, he doesn't have a handlebar mustache. He did have a big beard, though.
0: No, he has a beard and she said it's shortish. Like it's a shortish beard. I
1: thought his hair was shortish.
0: It's shorter. She said shorter than in most pictures.
1: Okay, so we need her to do an artist sketch. I know, I'm gonna... (laughs) But the only thing we need to know about is no handlebar mustache.
0: That's right. In case you're wondering. Other than that, a very, very
1: busy week. Busy, busy. Kids week. are on vacation. We just actually dropped Tia off at camp. Yes. So she is away for kids' camp. MJ leaves on the kids' camp tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow. So it's a it's a good week. It's a, it's gonna be quiet in the Jones household with just the eldest at home.
1: Our main topic for this week yes. is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Kraushorn.
0: Matt Kraushorn.
1: We've known Matt over ten years. I think so. Matt and his sweet wife Tiffany are worship leaders at our church. Matt is one of the SOSL school pastors, yeah. and I invited him earlier this week to sit down and just tell some stories, wax lyrical about his life. I hope you enjoy the interview. Matthew James Kraushorn.
2: James Matthew, actually.
1: Are you kidding me? So serious. All these years, and yep. I've got it wrong. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Matt Kraushorn, welcome to Keeping Up With The Joneses. Thank you very much. So glad to have you. So glad to be here. I'm honored. You are such a gift to our community. In many ways, I think you might be one of Gray Center's secret weapons. Oh, Because I think I say that because I think most people who would know your public persona will either know you from the school, you're one of the pastors at the School of Supernatural Mm -hmm. Life, or they will know you as one of our worship leaders. And actually, I got to meet you before you were either of those things, (laughs) and I think the thing that you carry comes out in both those roles, but you're like this hidden goldmine of wisdom about so many topics, but especially like human behavior. Like, like for me, you're one of those people that, like, in the past, I've come to you and gone, hey, Matt, I'm going to go do this uh, with this. What's your wisdom on that? And so I, th- I think you're a, one of our secret weapons. And I love that you're here. I love that we talk about you, with you.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love talking about me.
1: Yeah, that's a weird way to say that's it. That's everyone
2: loves, talking about themselves.
1: Tell everybody a little bit about you, for people who don't know sure. you. Like, who are you? What do you do? Are you married? All that sort of stuff. Give us your, like, resume. Yeah. Your um, bio. So I am married. Uh, I've been married to my
2: wife Tiffany for almost six years. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. That's wild. I was having to count it up the other day. It was like, I don't think I've forgotten. It just feels like so long. I made it sound great. I, I definitely didn't forget how many years I've been married. Been married almost six years. Uh, I have two kids. I have uh, my son, Judge, who's almost five. Uh, if you do the math, he was born 10 days before our first anniversary. So that was fast it was great <laughs> and then i have a daughter rory who is three and uh i've lived here in nashville and the area for almost uh, like 10 and a half years i've been here a long time now which is strange uh and i've been at grace center really that whole time grace mm-hmm. center was really my uh landing spot uh when i got here i had a tip from a friend about you should check out m you check out grace center you'd like it and i did so in a land with hundreds of a churches on structure. every street um, I really have only been to Grace Center and like one or two other places to like minister on behalf of Gray Center. So it's really funny that I've only been to one here. But um yeah, as far as what I do, um, like you said, I work for School Supernatural Life. Me and Shannon McLeod are the school pastors. Uh so that when I I was when I try to explain my job to people, I'm like I don't, I'm not trying to make this sound like I work more than other people. I just have more jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I run all the worship stuff. I supervise the tech things around the building. We're recording like up to three or four sessions simultaneously in the building. So I'm kind of like the on-call person for that. Um, I'm a pastor for the students. So uh, that's meeting with people, getting to just... Mingle as much as possible at breaks, uh, which is one of the best parts, really. Uh, I loved uh, just all the time I get to spend with people. It's nice to be, um, it's nice for that to be one of your duties. It's like be friendly and talk to people and get to know people. And you're brilliant. Because we have the most amazing people that come through.
1: You are brilliant at it. Thank you. Like you genuinely. Like I know some pastors who have to work at loving people. Like it's part of the job. It might not be the part of the job they love. Like me, you know, maybe they love the administrative part, or maybe they love preaching on Sundays and being with the people is hard. But you love it. It it feels like is that true? Yeah, it is. I mean,
2: I've become one of those people that uh, previously I would I had judged. I've repented since, but I judged pastors or like manager ceo type of people who are like i just don't know anything i I rely on my administrator for everything and they set my calendar and i don't know where i'm supposed to be and they just tell me but i'm like oh i'm i've like become that way i'm like so happy to be with people and i'll live and die by whatever uh my administrator puts in the calendar shout out to gina evangelista and rachel herman if you're out there thank you for populating my calendar and making sure that I do my job. Uh, But I really do. I'm just, I'm very interested in people. That's, I would say that's been um, a core thing for my life. I've always been curious about how people think, how people make decisions. Um, I have a degree in marketing that I never used until I got this job, really. But uh, for that reason, I was like, I wanted to go into psychology First, I was like, I'd be to be a counselor or something like yeah. that, which is all funny because so many things come full circle around. And now and you never do know. That. Yep. Uh, but I figured it'd be easier to get a job if I had a business degree. So I was like, I'll get a marketing degree. It's like, it was really hard to get a job in 2010 um, in what I was looking to do. So, uh, but I've always been curious about people. I just love asking people questions. I love strangers. Uh, I love meeting people uh, like, I love like gas station, grocery store line people because they, I just love what people are willing to tell you, or if you ask them a question about their day or what's going on, uh, it's always great. So a little like in the school at a fifteen-minute break, I get a lot, a lot you done. You do I get a lot done with w- people.
1: One of the things I know about you is like you're a really good thinker. Like I'm, I'm thinking back to when you were a student, you would ask great questions, and now I watch you ask great questions of other people, and it really doesn't. It feels genuine curiosity. It's not like. I know the answer, and if I ask you this brilliant <laughs> Socratic question, it's going to lead you to some revelation. You're really like, no, I, I'm curious about this, and I think it works wonders. Yeah,
2: thank you. I really appreciate that. I was true. Come on your podcast and get compliments. It's, <laughs> a, it's a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon.
1: Well, remember, um, I'm high words of affirmation, yeah. you know, so yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's really fun for me to think about, like, do you remember when we first met? Mm-hmm. I do. do. I wonder if we're thinking about the same event.
2: Yeah, I think so. So... My version of it was I had just moved to Nashville. Uh, My brother, Mark, was on staff with a church in Auburn, Alabama. The pastors of that church booked you and AJ to come speak at a regional campus ministry event in Panama City, Florida. Do we remember the same event? Yeah, of course. I mean, by the end of the story, I, I found it hard to forget. But so I drove someone else's car.
1: That I didn't know. This I might drove... be the most Matt Crosshorn story ever. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> so I had lived in Nashville for a couple months. My brother calls me and says, hey, we're having a conference. Uh, but the person who normally plays electric guitar can't come. Do you want to come play? I said, like, sure. I'm not doing anything. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know. So I was like, yeah, what else would I do? So I ended up driving somebody else's car who had left their car in Nashville for some reason. I drove that car to Auburn, Alabama. I rode with my brother to Panama City Beach. And then somebody somewhere connected and said, there's people coming from Franklin, Nashville, and maybe you could ride back with them. And that's what I did. So I just showed up to your van and said, hi, I'm Matt. I'm hoping that someone has told you to expect me. Uh, can I put my amp and my guitar in in the back
1: of your van? <laughs> that's literally how I yeah. remember yep.
2: And then I rode back from there to Franklin with a van load of SOSL students from the inaugural first year of SOSL.
1: They came with me and as ministry team, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I wrote
2: with them. So I wrote Daniel Helsin, wow. Charlene Garrett, Sonia Church, uh, John Engelman, all like so many people. OG. I, yeah, met yeah. all those people and spent eight hours in the van with them.
1: I remember that. I remember that conversation because of course, as a high shaper, nobody had spoken to me about a <laughs> random dude. Is. <laughs> Electric guitar. Is amp. this
2: guy safe for my students to
1: like? <laughs> that's literally did they find the, him on the street? Literally. And you were, you know, now knowing you, I'm. Of course, it makes perfect sense. Like one of the things you m- won't know about Matt is you could throw Matt in a hurricane and he'll be calm. Like you were just so <laughs> calm and laid back. And one of the things we never, like at the school, I think it'd be fair to say a lot of stuff changes a lot of the time. You know, the plan will change, blessed are the flexible. You might be the most flexible person I know in terms of like, (laughs) there will never be a problem with the plan changing for Matt, which has been wonderful. But not knowing that about you, when this guy, this kind of affable yeah, not goofy, just a long hair like, dude. Hey, hey, you know, yeah, hey, can I get a ride back? Like long hair, electric guitar national? guy and shows we were up. Like, who are you? Like, what? And I think <laughs> I went and had a, like a side conversation with uh, Josh and Ginger. Like right. this, guy? and they're like, no, he's 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 good. Yeah, uh, what was your ride home like? I mean, it was great. Like, I was just getting to know all those folks
2: so like i said i was like i'd only been here a couple months i had been back and forth to home in virginia and so i didn't have any kind of established friend group and a bunch of those people really became my friends for that season like was those say. are the people that i met and on the topic of ministry schools in general like i i i grew up in church uh short version like i've been in church more than i've been anywhere else probably right. um and so i thought from what I had observed is that ministry schools that aren't like a seminary are for people who got saved as adults and they need to like catch up. This is like remedial church. I see. That like that school. sense? Yeah, yeah I was like, man, I've been to church. I read yeah. the Bible. I've done all these things. Uh, I don't think I really need to go to like Sunday school again as an adult. Like right. that was my limited perception of what this is. But as I met all these people who were doing School Supernatural Life and I was getting to know them, spending time with them, I was like, well, your life is actually changing. Like over the couple months that I had known them, I was like, well, I'm like watching you exhibit actual like growth as a person, growth with the Lord. I'm watching you move uh in the gifts of the spirit in a way that I've only, have only seen quote unquote special people. I like, I had seen a few people that were um, that I would call prophets or people that funk that really flow in a gift. But to me, that was like, if all the planets are aligned and the right person is here, but I'm like, man, I actually really know these people. And I know that they're extremely regular people. Like these are normal people that are working at Wendy's doing like, they're doing whatever they're doing, but the Lord is moving through them and they're. Ha-. So I was, that piqued my curiosity. Cause I had, and I, I figured I would never do anything like that. Um, I didn't have any use for it. But then as I was getting to see the fruit of it, getting to see what was happening, that really piqued my curiosity. And that was kind of what what really led to me landing as like home in Nashville, home at Gray Center, because nothing else I was doing was working out. I couldn't get a right. job after I got here. Um, and so my, like my parents were helping me out, all these things. I, I would say moving to Nashville from where I grew up in Virginia, lived in the same town my whole life, um, went to college there, moving to Nashville was one of the first things that I probably did in my life just because I wanted to, like, I didn't have a standard. Um, I I've grew up as just a very, I mean, much how I am now, I'm eager to please want to make people happy. And I was a good student. I like, I was used to just having, here's the check marks of, here's the next thing to do. Now you finished 10th grade. Now it's time for 11th grade. Now you finished high school. Now it's time to go to college. And then I finished college and there was no one there to tell me what to do next. And so I really got lost. Like I was very lost in terms of like, I don't know, I don't have anyone to people, please, to like make sure that I'm doing well or that I have a place in the world. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so moving to Nashville was one of the first things I ever did because I, I just and did you know anyone in Nashville? I had a friend that I played music with in college back in Virginia who was a drummer. He moved here. A little before I did and immediately set about like, dude, you got to come. It's the best. There's those people. You can play music all the time. And so I came and visited and jammed with him and his band. And it was great. So I was like, all right, this is enough for me. Like, I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can find a job here. I have a job in Virginia. And then I just nothing, nothing. like I couldn't get a job doing the kinds of jobs I've been doing before retail sales, cell phone sale, all those kinds. Of, I just couldn't get a job anywhere. So once I decided to do School Supernatural Life, a bunch of things kind of just Dropped into place for me. So I filled out the application and all of a sudden I had a job like a friend's dad who worked for a company whose headquarters was in Nashville was like, hey, just call this guy. They'll give you a job. Give me a job. Um, when I was thinking about how to pay for school, I applied. And then my dad was like, hey, your grandparents bought you these savings bonds when you were born. They've just come mature. And it's it was almost the price of the school. Wow. So there are a bunch of things that just boom, boom, boom fell into place. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what it looks like to, this are like my baby steps of trying to follow the Lord instead of just following what can I do to make sure I'm not yeah. doing something wrong yeah. or make sure that I'm getting a good grade. <sighs> wow. So because at that point I was, uh, I would say now in hindsight, I would say I felt the Lord leading me to move to Nashville. Back in 2011, 12, I wouldn't have used that language right. because I, I didn't really have a grid for... I'll have a conversation with the Lord. The Lord is speaking to me directly, uniquely. Mm -hmm. He wants to know me. Like I could have a real relationship. Um, God was mostly like how I described. God is the person to people, please, to make sure that I'm doing well. Um, Which is a, you know, pretty good way to stay out of trouble. But it's not a great way to live live a fulfilling life, which is what I was missing. So, yeah, I didn't have that language. But I would say that was the beginning of like, I don't have any rules or instructions on what to do. So I think I'll just take a step and move. Um, And then doing school supernatural life was probably the second thing where I was like, you mean I can just decide to do something if I want to, I can try and maybe it won't go well and maybe it will. But that was really the beginning of a lot of that. So um, when I started at school supernatural life, basically all I knew was that everything that I've been doing, everything that I know has not been working. Like I've, I'm 22. I think I was about 22 or three when I got here. Uh, And I really don't know much of anything about anything useful because it's not bringing me life. I'm not happy. I was pretty numb to a lot of things. So that was the beginning of I'm actually going to do something risky, try something.
1: And it's really beautiful. What did your family think when you're going to a non-seminary ministry school?
2: Uh, They were happy about it. My mom always says that it was her idea for me to move to Nashville. Oh. <laughs> so we, we go back and forth on whose love idea moms it was. I how adopt things in yeah. yeah, um, history. But they were super encouraging to me. I mean, I would say my my personality is to be very, uh, can have a reflex to second guess myself. I'm like overanalyzing my motive. Like, wow, like, is do you have an evil motive for like wanting to- Is that to still there, do, man? You know, sometimes, yeah, but like, I recognize it now. Okay. Where I'm just like, oh, I think I'm doing that thing where I'm like, why would I think that I have a wrong motive for doing something that's like Jesus. Like, that's like, sure. That's like the question that helps, yeah, yeah, you yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. slice through that for sure. Um, but in the moment, uh, yeah, they were very supportive of me moving. I think they were, my parents were pretty aware too, that I just needed a change of scenery. I think if nothing else, that was a huge gift of moving here too. Mm-hmm. Um, my family are wonderful. It wasn't necessarily to get away from them no. because of something they were doing, but to get away from the context of my life where I lived in the same town, My siblings have been there. My family have been there forever. And so since being in Nashville, I would say that was the beginning of me kind of getting to know myself as an individual, as somebody that is following the Lord in a a personal way rather than just how can I be like a non-interrupting, low-friction part of the machine that shows up to church on time and does stuff, Uh, really having
1: my relationship with the Lord becoming an everyday, all the time thing. Right. Yeah. What did you get from school? Like, you're talking about your life before. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the key things you said, I don't know if you caught it, where you've described your life before as, like, living with a goal to please. Yep. But you also slipped in living a life so that you don't get into trouble. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like, everything within me tensed up. Because I remember, I remember, like, that's probably the best you can hope for, right? Like one, don't get in trouble, but man, if you could please somebody, huh? Yeah. How about that? What what shifted during the school? Because it feels like you're not driven or motivated by those two things anymore.
2: That's a great question. I think over the course of the school, I was really What I learned about the Lord is that He's generous. Mm -hmm. Like he's always generous. Like even the concept of the concept of like mercy, being this like extreme offensive generosity that is it just eats up everything that is debt or everything that is lacking everything that is falling short everything that's broken his mercy is like eating it up and covering all of it and paying for all these things extravagantly and that was a new it was just a new thought to me because like you said that was very much how it was I was like here are the rules to live by and just be content and like don't seek out anything flashy You'll store up treasure in heaven if you don't break the rules. Um, but I came to find that the Lord being so generous that he was much more active than I thought he was. And that led me to, I mean, it's its always so like elementary. When you look back on it, you're like watching the Lord, how he walked you from tiny step to tiny step mm-hmm. to tiny step. But I would say to summarize it, my journey with the Lord in school and the, and the succeeding years is really the Lord seeking to convince me, going to great lengths to convince me. That who I am and what I'm worth has nothing to do with where I am or what I'm doing. Wow. Like of him just being like, Hey bud, like I really don't need anything from you. I'd love to just be with you. I'd love your attention, but like, I, I don't, I'm good. And so being with the Lord who's content, who's glad to be with me, who's generous with his time. Um, and isn't trying to bait me into like a codependent, like, well, I'm mad, but I'm not going to tell you why. So you should pray. Like, <laughs> so And so most of these things, most of the conceptions that I had about the Lord were never anything that anyone taught me specifically, Sure, because I grew up believing that God was good, God is kind, God loves us. It was, uh, I wasn't coming from a place of like constantly trying to avoid going to hell. Right. I just was in a place of like, this is all there is. I've done it. And now I'll just coast until I die.
1: It is so weird, that thing, isn't it? The, The human heart's ability to pervert what is true to make it feel familiar. Mm-hmm. And and then the Lord's like, hello, I'm so much better than that. But yeah. also, I think, you know, what's interesting, Matt, is, you know, we reproduce who we follow. And I just think like your description of the Lord is very much my experience of you. So like you describing your description of your relationship with the Lord, where the Lord is full, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean he doesn't, he's indifferent towards you. He's full. So he doesn't need you to work hard to fill him up, but he can enjoy being with you. Uh, That is very much my experience of you, where you arrive full to relationships and not like, I mean, you have this whole teaching on like, you know, debt-free relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, Isn't that funny that you've, like you live out of that revelation. It's not just something you came across. That's that's very true of you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree because, Uh, I would say the other piece of what I was learning about the Lord is the Lord would always talk to me about you're made in my image and it's not just to look like me, but it's actually to enjoy what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's to like, enjoy the satisfaction in doing the things that I do. Um, Like, so that's how I've, I'm just a person. There are so many things that I didn't, uh, that I feel like I wasn't really taught that I've just done them by trying to emulate the Lord um, Even in terms of like dating, like nobody really taught me anything about dating. My wife, Tiffany is my only girlfriend. And I went about pursuing her by literally just trusting that I was like, all right, I know that Jesus has been pursuing me. Like this is my experience right. of the Lord is he's pursuing me. He's reaching for my time in a way that's inviting. He wants to be intimate with me. He's like demonstrating interest in me. And so I just tried my best to treat her the way that I experienced Jesus treating me. And I have to say that it worked really great. But I'm so thankful to the Lord. I'm just like, I don't, I'm not trying to speak badly about myself, but I'm just like on the, the places where I felt shame in my life where I was like, I have nothing to offer. Why would anyone want to go out with me? At the same time, I've come to find a really beautiful humility in that. I'm just like, man, it's true. I don't have the answers for how to do these things. I'm not equipped to accomplish everything in life. I wonder
1: if the Lord would help me. But there is something so attractive about that humility though Matt. You know, like I always think, I don't know who taught me this, but like I always think about humility as the lowest place. Mm. And if you think about a tarp, you know, when we go camping, whatever whatever you make the lowest place, all the the rain and the dew from the morning runs towards that place. Yeah. And I think about that with provision from the Lord that wh- I know that when I humble myself, provision whatever it just runs towards me. And it it's and I see that like in your description of that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And
2: I mean, I learned a lot from from you as well and from at School Supernatural Life or on Grey Center of the idea of uh, if you have to be somebody else or you have to change or fight or scrape to get somewhere, you're going to have to keep the act up to stay there forever. Oh, which is and so I was like, exhausting. Oh, wow, when you say it like that, pass. I, I don't want to do that. Like, Lord, would you please teach me who I am? Like, I have no idea who i am what i have to offer like i don't even know what i'm doing in my life and i want to be able to invite someone else into it Um, but that always stuck with me i was just like okay even if i am not impressing people in this moment i would rather be be telling the truth i'd rather (laughs) be an authentic (laughs)
1: version of not entertaining exactly be inauthentic and exhausted from constantly entertaining yes
2: uh because i think Because like we said, I had a lot of capacity for people. I love like being with people, doing things with people. So as a younger person, I think I had a lot of capacity to be whoever. Like I was always playing a character. Um, I would say that's a big part of my testimony to growing up is I was homeschooled, which I loved, which worked great for me. But I never found myself in a place where I like belonged with a group of people. So I would have like, here's like the like redneck kids that I play baseball with. Here's all the like kids that their parents are professors at Virginia Tech who are from all over the world that I go to church with or do different things. Here's a homeschool group that I'm with. And so it was. I was very practiced at slipping into character, changing my accent to talk like these people when we're playing baseball. And then when we're going to church, we're speaking as though the queen might walk in. Um, and so I was used to change. I was used to doing that all the time. And, and then, being
1: rewarded for it. Sure. Yeah.
2: Uh, or at least like being liked, even mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm getting along well. But then as an adult... One, uh, the payoff for those kinds of things tends to just sort of start to dry up unless you're willing to really double down and like really become a different person. But eventually you're going to run out of gas. And I did. <laughs> so uh, I'm so thankful for all of that that I've learned and being um, in a place like Grace Center where I found people's lives like mm-hmm. believable. Oh. I'm just like, oh, I, I I think I actually believe you. Like when you talk about yeah. the way that you are with your family, the way that you Um, have boundaries like I'm, I'm hearing that. And um, there's so much authenticity in someone explaining that their boundary, their reason for saying no is actually to be generous. Like I'm actually carefully budgeting my time so that I can do things well, instead of spreading myself so thin that I have nothing to offer anyone because that I'd witnessed a lot of that in, in churches growing up. And that was one of the reasons why I never wanted to be a pastor. I was like, Oh, I like, I thought that was the job is to just spread yourself so thin, Totally.
1: That. Yeah, the only time you get time off is when someone's not making a request for your time. Right. And other than that, it's like, go, 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 baby. Yep. Yeah. So,
2: so many new experiences uh, in living in Nashville, being at Gray Center, uh, all the subsequent things that I've done with the school. um, Well, stay with that. So, you you
1: graduate the school,
2: Mm -hmm. and then what do you do? So, I had gone on outreach as a student to England, to Sunderland, England, and just made some connections there. Like they were planning a house of prayer. There was a church that at the time we were like Grace Center was very connected with. And when I got finished with school, I was like, well, uh, everything I'm doing is kind of ending. I was working seasonal jobs. School was ending. All these things were kind of coming to a close. And again, on the theme of like, it seems like the Lord actually wants me to just actually tell them what I want to do instead of just only Radical. waiting to receive instructions. Yeah. Uh, which is a new, again, new thought for me. And so I just reached out and said, Hey, I know you're taking on interns to help start your house of prayer. Can I come? <laughs> like, I don't know. And they said, sure. So I came, I moved to, uh, I moved there from like fall 2013 to the beginning of spring 2014. And so I was in a prayer room all the time, like 30 hours a week, probably just leading worship Praying, uh, serving in the church, cleaning, whatever, and I, that is a place that like I became really close friends with Jesus uh, mm-hmm. because there were people around, but I was the only like American dude for a hundred miles. Sunderland was kind of uh, when I try to describe it, it's not a tourist place. I would call it like the Detroit of England in the sense that. Some decades ago, it was one of the largest cities in the country, huge industry, all these things. And then a lot of the industry and things like that has been shut down. So when people would hear my voice, they would come and talk to me and say, why are you here? Like they would hear that I'm American and be like, what are you doing here? Because there's not really much yeah. to like see. right? And I was like, I'm here to, as an intercessory missionary, I wouldn't usually say that to people that I run into on the street, but I was like, I'm here to pray. I'm here to pray. I'm here to seek the Lord. I'm interceding on behalf of the city. I'm here to bless people. And it was stretching. Like I didn't really, uh, I spent everything I had to get there um, and lived off just a little bit. I didn't need a lot. I really, uh, that's like a time that I think about fondly, honestly, when life is so simple. you are like, I really, all I have to do is like eat and stay alive and show up to the prayer room on time. It was like really beautiful. I don't know if that's for everyone. For me, for Matt, that's like a pretty You lived on pot noodles. Serene.
1: <laughs> uh, I just got a picture of you just. Playing your guitar and weeping before the Lord and yep. then eating pot noodles and maybe some shreddies. Were you there? <laughs> did you see me? No. Uh but more or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Absolutely. That, and yeah. so I
2: became so close with Jesus because mm-hmm. I, I needed that friendship. Like I there were people that I made friends with there, but when you don't have a somewhere to right. be, like everybody else that is around is
1: working and yeah, I'm here. That process not that you weren't beautiful before then, but that process really beautified you. Absolutely. And it could have made you bitter. Yeah, I lost
2: like 30 pounds while I was there.
1: I remember when you <laughs> came back. I remember bumping into you yep. at Frothy Monkey. You were sitting on the front porch with your journal, uh, sitting at the balcony part looking mm. out. And I forget who I was with. Maybe I was with Jeff. And I walked past you. And I came back. And I, I was oh, shocked that I you so, were back. I so vaguely remember that. And I remember walking away from that interaction. with you, like, bro, you're back. And I think it was with Jeff, because I remember saying to Jeff, because I remember Jeff and I had you on our, like, you know, I've talked about this before, but (laughs) Jeff has this habit of collecting people (laughs) where, you know, he collects people. He knows they fit somewhere, but they don't. And both of us had this real thing in our spirit where we're like, Matt belongs at Gray Center and we don't know where to put him, Mm -hmm. but we can't lose the opportunity of having him. So I think we just created something for you, didn't we? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Seemed I mean, like it. It was like shortly after that they were like, yes.
2: Yeah. So at that point, probably when I saw you, I was planning on going back. So I had gotten a visa to go back for another year um, as a charity worker. Like the church had a nonprofit, a bunch of things. So I was going to go back because that's what I felt like was the right thing to do. When I would talk to the Lord about it, because they asked me to come back and right. I said, let me pray. But like, yeah, I think so. Like, and the Lord challenged me. I was surprised because he was like, have you considered what else you could be doing? And mm. I was like, No. Because this is the best. Like, I feel so alive. I feel like I'm doing something that I was made to do. Yep. Like, I'm playing to all my strengths. I'm getting to live this, like, sort of modern, like, monk-like existence, Absolutely. which really worked for yeah. me. <laughs> but the Lord was like, if you won't consider what else you could be doing, uh, then you're not really giving me your whole yes. Like, if you're putting on blinders to be I, this Whoa. is the only thing I can do, you're still doing that old religious thing where you're just trying to people please right. me.
1: And it's you're not like, sacrifice.
2: Oh. So, I still landed on I think this is the right place for me to be. But when I got back to the, to the States, uh, I had a couple dreams about my visa being denied all these different things. And so I was like praying against that. No, like I feel like I'm supposed to go. And so long story short, my, my visa went through everything I could have gone. But as soon as I landed in Nashville, everything just felt different. So I was at home in Virginia for a couple weeks and then mm-hmm. I got off the plane here and I was like, man, it feels like everything that I had planned is all like zero gravity floating josh parsons like really offhandedly asked if i wanted to come on as a small group leader for the school that fall like i've within like one minute of seeing him at Eminate, uh, some other things that happened too at gray center while i was gone of like different staff leaving and different things like that so i was kind of like what wow everything on? looks different yeah. um and one of many like kind of cryptic things that jeff said to me in that season is he was just like hey hey if everything like looks different to you it's because you've been promoted in the spirit but your circumstances haven't matched up to it yet, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> okay. <I'll laughs> Which that honestly was helpful to me because yeah. I was like, "Yeah, it does." I'm having a a different experience of mm-hmm. this place that was super familiar to me, um, and then having conversations with you guys of uh, even the same of Jeff saying that to me too. It's like I think that you fit here. Yeah, and he said, "He said I have something really unfair to tell you. I'm just going to tell you this, It's super unfair." And I was like, "Okay, like I'm not going to stop you. Like you're like." Right-hand man to Jesus, in my opinion, at the time, um, I still think that. But at the time, I, yeah. I was just like, "Oh, okay," and he was like, "I think you fit here. You have a place here, but uh, I don't have a Like, yeah. I don't have anything to offer you." So I was like, "Okay, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing." And right. so, I was a small group leader that year, but just part time, like volunteer staff for the school. Um, but when it came down to it of deciding whether to go back to England or stay here, I finally got to a point where the Lord was like, "Hey, like." You can just choose. You can just choose what you want to do. You've done your due diligence of like praying, seeking all those things. And actually you need to just decide what you want to do. Right. And the thing that I came to was as much as I loved what I was doing there at the house of prayer, I was very aware that if it hadn't been for what I had received in school, supernatural life, and particularly from my small group leader, I wouldn't have been able to engage with any of that. Like all of that was complete unknown territory to me. And I was like, you know, Lord, if I could do that for one or few other people, wow. that would feel extremely worthwhile. Because I was I was like, so you very if worthwhile.
1: I could do for others what was done for me, that is a rewarding yes. way of living. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And so that's really, I think, what kind of started the ball rolling with where I am now. I'm just like, oh, actually, the satisfaction of getting to do for someone else what was done for me. John Reed, my small group leader, just always looking me in the eye saying, it's so easy to love you. I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so glad that you're here. And I was mm-hmm. like, you don't even know me. You don't know anything about me. How could you possibly think it's yeah. easy to love me? Also, you're so handsome and there's just a lot going on. But he was so consistent and kind and yeah. tender to me. So and that absolutely changed my life. So I was like, that's worth it. Like That would be worth it to let go of what I've been doing to do that, even if it was just one round. Yeah. Like if it was just for a year to do this. I was aware of how much one year changed my life. Right. So I was like, yeah, that's a great investment. And how many years has it been? Now? Man, that was 20. So I was a small group leader the first time. That was fall 2014. It's what? 2022 now. So
1: Yeah, you look at me like I know the answer to either of those I things. don't know.
2: I've been at every year of school except two. Wow. So that's 10 out of 12.
1: That's, that's wild. <clears throat> yep. And then you shifted from being a small group leader to... So I came on staff
2: as a pastoral assistant. Yep. working with Shannon. Uh, the following year, so I was still leading a small group, but I was also working on staff. Yeah, on staff. Yeah, yep. Uh, and then became the school pastor twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. right after my son was born, and then
1: here we are. Uh, what do you notice? The shift happens from because, in one sense, I know this is not true, but from an outside perspective, small group leading and pastoring kind of looks the same. Just more of it. Like, you know, small group leading is like, you're a part-time volunteer pastor. I know that's not true. And a pastor, you have a whole host of other responsibilities. What do you notice is the difference between the two? That's a great question. Uh, for me,
2: it'
1: not much. Like, I didn't feel very
2: different because I was—I'll um, unpack that a little bit more. But for me, my philosophy with all those things is I'm here at church. I'm here at school. This is my house. I own this place. This is where I live. I know where all the bathrooms are. I know where everything is. So if somebody needs something, I have what they need because I live here. Right. I was like when I was a kid growing up, if people came to our house for dinner, it's my house. Like, yes, technically it's my parents' house, but I live here. I know where everything is. And it would be wrong for me not to like host you also. So that's just how I treated it. I would say the difference between being a volunteer to being on staff is just that I have more Resource to be generous with in that way. Yeah. I actually have more that I can give people. I'm um, like having a check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, no, I actually I can, I can tell you like what we're doing next, or I can offer you mm. some resources, resources on someone to call, or I can like. There's just so much more that I can be generous with as a pastor on staff than I can as a volunteer. I think
1: one of the things I've noticed about you, Matt, is when we faced some pretty big pastoral issues, right? Again, it comes back to your unfazedness, and your unfazedness isn't indifference. It isn't a lack of understanding of how serious the situation is. It seems to me, at least my impression is, it's the confidence that God is going to give us what we need to meet the person's need. Would that yeah. be accurate? Yeah. I
2: mean, met my need. Yeah. <laughs> and not to oversimplify,
1: because there is so much that
2: goes into sorting through issues like that, but I think... Again, I come back to that same realization that I had when I first moved here is whatever I've been doing, trying, whatever I understand that I've like earned, the understanding that I've like earned is not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. So I already know that I need the Lord to speak. I need the Lord to speak into the situation. I need the Holy Spirit to move. I'm already looking for that before I've exhausted all of my questions and resources Mm -hmm. because I'm sure that we'll get there. I was a nice person. I was a mess too. Like I had a lot of things going on. I remember I used to go back and read my own SOSL application every year before I would read student applications because it gave me so much grace for people because I would read my application and be like, well, you know, I have struggled with pornography in the past, but I've had some recent breakthrough and things are going a lot better now. And I was like, oh, buddy, they were not going better. The, the, passed, the narrator and deeply 12, 12 yeah, hours, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes ago. Now I'm having a lot of breakthrough um, and a bunch of other things. So yeah. I, there, I had, I was in so much like denial about all those things when I came. Um, and the thing that the Lord really opened up for me through Grace Center is not being in denial about anything, just being right. honest about what's going on. And it's better to invite the Lord mm-hmm. and people you trust into something messy as fast as possible. Yeah. And so I think I'm always, I'm uh, probably. In some ways, I always feel privileged to like be in with someone that's having a hard time to be trusted to listen and be there to do something. But
1: you are a yeah. relentless source of optimism, though, in crisis. <laughs> you, you really are, yep. you know. And I, th- I think it's your you're so tethered to the Father and to the Kingdom of Heaven that it just seems obvious that God's going to do something. You know, I had a boss that I, I mean, he was facetious, but what was his name? David. Okay. <laughs> and he and he used to say i'd come to him and i'd be like hey david we've got a problem he's like "Alan, there's no such things as problems only windows of opportunity oh and God. it was so annoying yeah. but i feel like you live with that outlook you know especially when we're helping people like ah and i remember you know i i used to um help lead the school i, I haven't done that in a number of years but i would always enjoy being in school meetings where we would be planning things or talking about a problem you would always have a perspective or an outlook that just felt like you just picked up the thing and just turned it and there's a different facet Mm. it didn't nullify what anybody's talking about but you always had this perspective and this option that i think is the gift of wisdom you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean
2: i i would say in speaking about optimism my earlier life was like probably the most unhealthy version of that is denial just be optimistic and hold on to that until you quit getting dragged down the road by a truck. Like, yep. uh, but now I feel very authentically connected to that. Like you said, mm-hmm. cause I'm just like, Oh, I love getting to live in the, like in the confidence, not my own confidence, but in the confidence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you think about how confident the Lord is, yes, to do everything that he says he's gonna do, he yes. makes these grand, wild proclamations of things that he's gonna deliver people yes. from and how he's gonna do all this stuff, and then he just does it. And he's confident he will so do confident. it. Yep. He's so patient, uh, in ways that I have a hard time being patient because I was like, Well, Lord, i It's great that you can be confident in eternity, but I have like I need to pay my rent tomorrow. Like, how am I supposed to be confident? Like, how can I be have the Lord's confidence for uh, for that? Or time is ticking. Yeah, and the Lord is so patient because He's Mm -hmm. so confident. So yeah, I like being able to be that like optimistic, looking for perspective. I also, it's been interesting for me like over the course of the school, I've written. Some different teachings, most of the ones that I've gotten to do, which I feel there's lots that are built into the school that are like, this is what the school is built on. Sometimes we'll have space to write something original, something else. And the things that I've gotten to write on have been a lot of things like that about wisdom, cultivating wisdom, uh, writing on building relationships that aren't built on what we owe each other. But how can we be generous to each other? And uh, that was always my favorite Bible story. I remember being a kid and reading the story of Solomon where the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, anything you want. Well, I'll give it to you. And he says, oh, I want want to be wise. I want to be perfectly wise. And then the Lord says, wow, you picked the best one. You picked the most ideal thing. And because of that, I'm going to give you everything else. So you'll never lack anything. You'll have uh, anything you could dream of. It'll be yours. And I remembered reading that story. And again, being my little self, that's always second guessing. I'm like, oh, does that mean that? I was like, I want to ask the Lord for wisdom too because that sounds great, but will the Lord think that I'm asking for wisdom just to get all the other things? Uh, Isn't that, it's so yeah, cute. Like think yeah, about a little kid yeah. having that internal conversation. But that's been really the thing that I've wanted. I remember just being so inspired by the stories of things that Solomon did and said mm-hmm. with people. I was like, man, I just want to be like that. And so I'm in the season that I'm in currently. It's very strange because uh, the Lord has really, Stripped away a lot of the things that I previously would have hid behind as far as being like, oh no, I'm just, it's all the Lord. I'm just just little old me. And really it is interesting finding the ways where it's actually important to be confident in leading people Mm -hmm. to build confidence in them. I was like, I'm not trying to like flex on people or brag about what's going on, but actually if I don't tell the truth about what the Lord is doing, then I'm I'm holding something back from you. So this has been a very like Interesting, four or five years for me in that way, um, but yeah, I'm always just for me that comes from the same place as prophesying to someone, yeah. like looking for the answer to a solution. I would say where it talks about First Corinthians, all the gifts, word of wisdom is right there with word of knowledge mm-hmm. and prophecy and all those things, and it's just like a practically applied
1: mm-hmm. revelation. I'm just wondering, you know, I'm picturing, picturing one of our listeners, several of our listeners listening, and Maybe where your life was is where their life is. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about, your life, it's glistening with hope. Maybe it's how it reach for them or feels mm. that way. Do you have three practical encouragements you could give somebody who's living where you were? Mm. What would you say, go back in time to your little 22-year-old self, Like, what would have helped you to hear? Mm.
2: That's a great question. Hmm. So I would say first is that I would say the thing that the Lord has spent so much time like hammering into me. Mm -hmm. I say hammering, but like gently massaging, sometimes hammering, sometimes like immersing, sometimes going to great expense and length, taking me all over the world to all these different situations and people is to convince me of the truth that who you are and what you are worth has nothing to do with where you are and what you're doing or what you're able to do. Like you actually have value because God has placed it in you. Beautiful. Man. I'm telling you the truth. If you're in that place and you think that you have nothing to offer and I have no way to move forward, I'm just telling you that the Lord has placed value in you on purpose. Just yeah. like you have a name that was given to you, you have value that was given to you. You are a gift. The Lord would always tell me that was a gift. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm the worst. <laughs> I would get so angry at the Lord for like, being kind to me because I'm like, Lord, I, what I need to be is punished so that I can learn from my mistakes uh, and grow. And he was just like, or we're all out of that. Like, I don't have I don't have that. Yeah. I, that's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. So that's one who you are and what you're worth has nothing to do with where you are or what you can do or what you're doing right now. Second. I would say. That. uh admitting that you need something that you don't have is probably the first step to growing. So even, I mean, that's a different way of saying James one, five, like the Lord gives wisdom freely to any who ask without reproach, which means no shame or any of those things. So coming to a place like I have come to this place many times, become very familiar with the place of realizing that what I know and what I've been trying clearly isn't working. So let me, whether that's finding a mentor or someone like someone to coach me or lead me just submitting to someone else's leadership is a huge part of it. But also with the Lord just saying, Lord, I don't have what I need. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And I would come to a place of even addressing the Lord differently. Uh, I was always one of those people that would kind of like sideways laugh at people that would call God, like daddy and all these super familiar things. I was like, this is the Lord we're talking about. Okay. Uh, But I came to a place where I realized that what I needed was advice from a dad. Yeah. And so when I, st- I would start to address the Lord that way, I'd say, Dad, I need advice from you. I need help from you with this thing. I need help with how to talk about this subject with Tiffany. Yes. Like, can you just help me? Because yeah. I don't know. And he so kindly would help me. He yeah. would bring, uh, bring me solutions, bring me ideas, uh, and just be with me. And I would say the other thing is that uh, if you're feeling stuck or feeling like you don't have a way forward, the thing... That's coming to mind right now. Uh, this is interesting because uh, you could ask me this question on any given day. Or I'd probably have different thoughts. Uh, but my thought at the moment is um, that the Lord wants to speak to you directly. Like I really want to tell whoever's listening to this, yeah. the Lord really wants to speak to you and he's really able to speak to you. Um, and you don't have to be more special or unique or rare than you think you are now for the Lord to speak to you. The, I think something, again, the Lord is so generous that he will speak to us through whatever size pipeline. I'm willing to let him so generous. He doesn't have to do that, but he does. And so, uh, I would like short of looking for a course like Mark Verkler, hearing God's voice, the four keys to hearing God's voice, something like that. Um, outside of doing that, I would just try even now sit quietly and say, Lord, I believe that you want to speak to me. Would you speak to me? Would you speak to me in a way that I can understand you? And then just pay attention to what's going on around you and especially look for somebody that then comes to you with advice a person the Lord loves to speak through people yep um so yeah I think those are a few things it feels kind of like scattered I wish I had a more same thing
1: things are gold right
2: there I would say number one is the biggest one to me like who you are and what you're worth has nothing to do with where you are right now has nothing to do with your history has nothing to do with the track record that you keep in your head Mm -hmm. the Lord has a very different opinion of you than you do of you is my beautiful constant experience.
1: So beautiful. <laughs> Matt Kraushorn, I'm wondering people are listening to this and they're like, I need more Matt Krausshorn in my life. Where can people find more from you? What What's your socials? Mm, Where are you so, most active?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mostly post like silly things on Instagram. If I'm being honest, I don't have like a big platform, but at, at Matt Kraushorn is my Instagram, Twitter at Gray Center. <laughs> if you come to Gray Center in Franklin, Tennessee, or, on their youtube yeah you'll see me pop up there from time to time my wife and i lead worship um i'm just you're phenomenal i'm just trying to do whatever anybody asks me to do um the i mean really the place you could really find me is at school supernatural life um whether in person or online that's there's some more kind of like you have to pay tuition to come to that but uh yeah i mean i don't have a big place where I'm putting out tons of content or things you, like that. You but.
1: are a wordle fiend though.
2: You know, I was. I've it just trailed off. I think after I missed a few and I was so far from hundred percent, I just lost the satisfaction. My but,
1: problem is they moved the domain from where it was to like now New York Times now reset every time I try to play it, it's like, oh we've moved to New York Times. And when I go to the New York Times it doesn't have any of my cookies stored. Um, so all of my track record is just lost and
2: yeah I was into that for a while in Quirtle the f- uh, four simultaneous wordles. I don't know how you did that.
1: I loved it. That it was good.
2: Feels like a brain massage.
1: Well, Matt Crossman, thank you so much for giving yes, your time being with absolutely. us. Absolutely. What a joy to be able to share you with our listeners. Thanks for being
2: here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I feel really honored. I'm just grateful to be here. I want to say thank you for hosting me. Thanks for all the things that I've learned from you. I've learned so much from you over the years as a teacher, as a pastor, as
1: all those things. And so I feel really honored to get to be here with you. I love that we get to do this, Matt. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I would say yes. one of the things I've loved most. In the last 10 years, is helping launch the school.
0: Yeah. One of the things we've gotten to do. Yeah.
1: yeah l- I, absolutely. Love it. And yep. so, Matt and Shannon, uh, one of our SOCL pastors, in fact, Shannon's going to be on the podcast next week. Yeah. Uh, they're the pastors at the school. And it's funny, you know, for years, people have asked us if we would put SOCL online yeah. for people who couldn't come here, and we didn't think it was possible.
0: But then we did it.
1: Only takes a global pandemic. That's for all it takes. To <laughs> Just a what is possible. Yeah. So that means we actually now have two options to do the school. You yeah. can come here to beautiful Franklin, Tennessee. Yes. Which I love. You can come do SOCL on campus, which is here. It lasts eight months long. we applications for that close July fifteenth. We start the school September, September 6th. September 6th, yep. 2022. Yep. So if you want to come live here for eight months, come and do the school. But you can also do the exact same school online. Yes. And same thing, applications close July 15th, kick off sometime in September, maybe the week after. The same week. Oh, same week. Yeah. And it's an amazing incubator for your heart, really. It's an amazing opportunity to come learn from Grace and our staff, learn from the relationships that we have with visiting prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors. And I've just seen so much transformation in the lives of the students that have done the school in the last 10 years. And I would love you to be a part of that too.
0: If you want to learn about this school or you'd like to apply for the school, go to schoolofsupernaturallife.org. And uh, all the information is there and you can apply from there as well.
1: You can start your application. Super easy application, all done online. If you ever need help filling your application, our staff are just a click away, yeah. they would love to help you.
0: If you'd like the show notes for today's podcast, go to alanandaj.com slash 283.
1: And if you'd like to become a member, get some sweet discounts on the products we sell, help support the show, get video access to this episode, go to com slash join. Other than that, we pray you have a fantastic week.
0: Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me.